Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Wine. Need I say more? According to the International Organization of Vine and Wine's annual report, Americans drank 872 million, that's million, gallons of wine last year. <laughs> you know, the only thing I really know about wine is that I like to drink it. That's about the extent of my knowledge. But with us today, we have Tristan Pennell, and Tristan does know everything there is to know about the fruit of the vine. Tristan is a certified sommelier with the Court of Masters, and he used to work in fine dining, but now works with the Raleigh Wine Shop as their head of wine education, and we're going to get educated today. We've invited him here to tell us some basics, but more importantly, help us out with the upcoming holiday wine pairings. Welcome, Tristan. Well, thank you so much, Mary. It's a pleasure to be here today. So let's begin by addressing wines for this holly jolly season. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little after Thanksgiving, but just so folks will know for the next Turkey Day, what goes well with turkey besides mashed potatoes? With our uh, traditional Thanksgiving spread, turkey, of course, being the star, it is a game bird. Uh, so we can actually go bright or red because uh, it does have, you know, a little bit more flavor to it. It also depends on what part of the turkey you like. Are you more of a white meat person? Then we kind of want to keep it light and bright with the white wine. If you do like the dark meat, you know, sometimes a, a red goes great. So I know a lot of folks like to snack while that bird is eternally cooking. <laughs> so what goes well with Thanksgiving Day snacks before the main event? Yes, well, Thanksgiving is certainly an all-day affair at my house. Um, we just love to uh, you know, stuff our faces uh, all day before we get to the main <laughs> event. And uh, we usually have a big spread of like cheese and charcuterie. Uh, so always love a little bit of sparkling wine uh, as, you know, an aperitif, uh, something light that we can sip on and uh, sort of a dark horse. Uh, a lot of people may not think of. I love uh, fino or dry sherry. It's kind of salty. It's kind of nutty. Goes with a range of cheeses and meats and uh, any sort of like salty snacks uh, that you may be enjoying throughout the day. Okay, so again, it's already passed, but tell people, some people may not know about this, what happens usually on the third Thursday in November every year? Yes, the uh, third Thursday is a very special celebration. Uh, it's Beaujolais Day, and uh, it started in the 1950s. Uh, and basically, the winemakers in the region of Beaujolais, which is just south of Burgundy, uh, create an event to celebrate the harvest. You know, it can be a little treacherous making wine. You could lose your crop to hail, frost. And it's a celebration that they made it through another year, were able to make wine. And they release Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, it is wine that was just harvested. So uh, it would be, you know, this year, 2021, or next year, uh, 2022. Uh, it went through a quick fermentation. It's super juicy and light and fun. And just meant to kind of, uh, you know, cheers your friends and quaff 
uh, mightily. And because it comes out the Thursday before Thanksgiving, the Americans have sort of conflated it with Thanksgiving. But it is a light, juicy red that does actually go quite well with turkey. So it's kind of become a de facto Thanksgiving wine. Hmm, that's interesting. I did not know that. Um, so, so now let's jump on to Christmas. And mm-hmm. yes, people, it is coming in faster than Santa sleigh. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. So the kickoff, Christmas Eve dinner. Talk to me, Tristan. Yes. So uh, actually, my house Christmas Eve dinner is sort of a big deal. Uh, my mother-in-law is Colombian. And uh, Christmas Eve does kind of take a little more importance in Hispanic households. Uh, so we actually make a big pot of ropa vieja. Uh, translates loosely to old clothes, but it is a, a slow-cooked beef, usually brisket or like chuck, and then we have like peppers and black beans, uh, green fried plantains, uh, the tostones, and uh, sweeter fried maduros, which is the sweet plantains, and I actually love getting a Spanish red uh, especially Tempranillo, which has a little bit of like spice to it, uh, some vanilla tones, and absolutely, uh, you know, love hanging out and staying up late and opening a couple presents before uh, actual <laughs> Christmas morning comes. <laughs> That's always fun. And listen, I didn't catch your address. That sounds like I, I might want to come to that, Tristan. <laughs> some yummy could, food. <laughs> could be me or could be at my in-laws. So well, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Christmas morning. What do we got going on there? We may have little ones uh, just rapidly ripping open presents. We may have uh, older children home from college and waking up a little bleary eyed. I think (laughs) everyone able to uh, to have a little sip, definitely get a little bit of brunch bubbles going, Uh, you know, kind of a, a light sparkling wine and a little bit more affordable one. Love cava from Spain. Uh, or Prosecco from Italy. And uh, we can mix that with some orange juice and get some mimosas going. So we get our, our vitamin C as well as a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of social lubrication as we, we all get up and get going. <laughs> I like you put a healthy accent on too. <laughs> you know, we got the orange juice. You're getting good. Okay. So Christmas dinner. Yes. So I know everyone has different traditions. Uh, My family tends to go a little uh, harder on the beef. Uh, Usually we have like a Christmas luncheon with a big uh, tenderloin filet, medium rare, lots of horseradish. And uh, usually I like to do like a big standing rib roast. So big, beefy, love a Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, It is full bodied, has a lot of uh, tannin to it. Tannin being a compound that comes from the skins and seeds of the grape. Uh, It's that compound that makes it feel like your mouth is being dried out if you have like a big, bold red. Um, And we like that with beef because beef can be quite like fatty, lots of intramuscular uh, fat in there to make it rich. And so the tannin interacts with the meat we're eating rather than drying out our mouth. And kind of uh, these rich dishes, the tannin tends to cut through and let us uh, enjoy both the meat and the wine. So let me ask you this, because I know ham is also a big thing on Christmas. What would you pair with a ham, a Christmas ham? Yes. So uh, ham, the other white meat, uh, we can actually do a light red or a white wine. Uh, actually, I love uh, Germanic whites with ham uh, because, well, they're also big pork eaters, too. 
Uh, one of our sort of quick food and wine pairing tips is if it grows together, it goes together. Uh, regional foods and regional wines tend to play very well together because uh, they develop together. They didn't uh, come up in a vacuum. And so our, our German and Austrian friends, big on pork. Uh, actually, I love Gruner Veltliner. It is an Austrian uh, white grape. It has lots of bright, fresh acidity. has like white pepper spice. And uh, depending on the winemaker, can have like a little bit of nuttiness and richness. And I think that'd go great with a glazed ham. Mm-hmm. So now everyone wants to know this one. What is the magic potion wine for after all the gifts are open, wrapping paper is thrown all over the floor, the last kid just went to bed, Santa's hung up his suit, and you are deflated on the couch? Ooh, that's a good question. I definitely want something that's going to be like a nightcap, something that can be sort of like meditative and that we can uh, uh, sort of sip on and enjoy. And uh, something like full-bodied, rich, I'd go with either an Amarone from Italy. It comes from the Verona area. They actually take the grapes and they dry them on straw mats till they're almost raisinated. Mm -hmm. And then they make wine from that. It tends to have this figgy spicy, just very rich and textured and voluptuous, just perfect for sort of meditatively enjoying the, our, the day and all the memories that we made. New Year's Day. Now, I understand, like everything else, there may be some supply chain issues with the holiday staple champagne. Yes, uh, champagne has been uh, definitely tied up in all these uh, supply chain uh, messes. It, it's been something that even items that we could regularly find were getting put on waiting lists, especially the very big popular brands, your Veuve Clicquot, your Dom Perignon. Uh, basically, it's, it's catch as catch can. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you do have a preferred champagne, I'd start looking for that now. Uh, just because it's it could be gone uh, the next day. Mm. That being said, uh, we do specialize in a lot of smaller houses, uh, smaller production champagnes. Uh, so sort of the big ones go fast. Sort of the little guys tend to uh, fall through the cracks, which can actually be um, a blessing in, in this type of environment. Mm. And uh, yeah, we we should have a, a healthy supply of sparkling wine, and we usually run a sale after Christmas and before New Year's. So if you are looking to stock up, certainly give the Raleigh Wine Shop a visit. Okay, that's good. That's a good point to buy early. Okay, so now let's just switch gears a little bit and talk about everyday life. I, I wonder, is there a general formula you could share about pairing wine with food? Pairing wine with food can seem quite daunting, um, but uh, we, we try to sort of make quick sound point food and wine pairing tips for folks. And this goes beyond pairing, you know, similar flavors. So we compare uh, the flavors in wine to other things that reminds us of fruits, herbs, spices. And certainly if you have like a lemony sort of flavor in your wine and lemony flavor in your dish, yeah, that's, that's a good pairing. But we also like to look beyond that and sort of the textural and structural elements of wine to pair with the food. So uh, the big things we look at is sweetness, how much sugar is in the wine, acidity, how, how tart the wine is, the tannin that I mentioned before with that red wine, and then also weight. 
density uh, of the wine as you drink it. So uh, sweetness is important because sugar turns into alcohol. So sweet wines tend to be lighter in alcohol. And uh, that sweetness actually pairs quite well with spicy foods. Uh, so if you're getting some uh, spicy like Thai cuisine, anything that may have some chilies in there, think about something like an off-dry Riesling. Uh, if you are having something kind of like rich and creamy, something high in acidity actually helps cut through that richness. So a classic pairing would be uh, sparkling wine and brie. Know, just a, a nice milky creamy cheese that really bright tart sparkling wine helps clean up your palate so you can go back and uh, get a, get another scoop of brie with uh, with your bread or your chip uh, that being said a dish high in acidity will actually make a low acid wine seem less flavorful and less vibrant so if you do have something with a vinaigrette or a citrus component once again you want a high acid wine to be able to stand up to what's in the dish. Uh, and then finally, weight. Uh, basically, with food and wine pairing, we don't want the food or the wine to dominate. So if you get a big, bold red, but it's a very light, delicate fish dish, the wine will overwhelm the fish. Uh, and if we have a very light wine and a very bold dish, something like a curry and uh, you know, maybe a light Pinot Grigio, the, the curry is just going to obliterate uh, your wine. So it's always about finding harmony and making sure that they're playing well together. So you touched on a few things here, sweetness, acidity, weight. How does one critically taste wine, not just for flavors, but for this texture and structure, et cetera? Yeah, so uh, with sweetness, uh, we certainly have different uh, taste buds on our tongue, and uh, the ones that sense sweetness are towards the front. So it may look a little silly, but if no one's watching, you can stick your tongue in the wine and see if you can, you know, sort of feel or taste that tingle. Uh, with acidity, if you're a big fan of like really tart things, uh, if you've ever like had like a, a like a warhead or salt and vinegar potato chips, you have something high in acid, you feel like a shocky feeling and a tension in the back of your jaw. Uh, so higher acidity, the more tension, the more that shocky feeling you get. Uh, low acidity, you're really not going to feel that. And then tannin, you'll feel tannin. That's that you know, <laughs> sort of drying, desiccating feeling, grippiness, feels like it's coating your, your tongue and your gums and your teeth. Um, weight can be a bit tricky. Uh, that's something that uh, certainly comes over time, but uh, certainly if it feels like you're chewing your wine, that's a good oh, sign my. that it could be a, a, a weightier one. Okay, so in closing, and this, <laughs> Tristan, this may uh, make your veins bubble more than champagne. <laughs> I don't know. Fine, your final thought on bag-in-the-box wine. We actually carry quite a bit of bag-in-box wine. We love alternative uh, packaging uh, because uh, bag-in-box is uh, much lighter than traditional glass bottles. Uh, so it can actually be more carbon-friendly for folks to ship their wine in that format. It's great for parties if you're sharing, you're not having to open multiple bottles. And really, this comes down to the, the stigma that both the wine makers and the wine drinkers have for it. We certainly have many organic, uh, more naturally focused producers making wine for the bag and box format. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see more people sort of get on the train and leave these sort of 
dusty old uh, mores behind them. <laughs> well, I'm glad it stands a chance. And, you know, anything for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will always have its place in American history. The old bag in the box wine. Okay, great. Oh, yes. Well, Tristan, thank you so much for, for being here. Uh, it's been very educational and should help people through the holidays and thereafter. Yes. Uh, I mean, I hope everyone takes these tips. And, you know, certainly if you weren't taking close notes, uh, go to your friendly local wine shop. Uh, anyone there would be happy to help you out. And come see me down at the Raleigh Wine Shop or any of my colleagues. We're, we're happy to, uh, to always chat to, over with things. Thank you. Thank you. And now time for our nonprofit spotlight. And today we're talking about the Wake Tech Foundation. The Wake Tech Foundation cultivates and manages an array of resources critical to Wake Tech Community College's success. These resources allow the college to meet instructional and institutional needs and continue to offer top quality, affordable education and training to the Wake County region. You can get more information at wake-tech.edu wake-tech.edu. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be holly jolly.